You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Acts chapter 16 and verse 16 is where we're going to begin. We're going to read through verse 24. Now the message is going to take us through verse 34, but we'll just read to verse 24 right now. I hope you have your Bibles open. Uh, Make sure there's nothing else going around in the background. Let's focus in right now. Let's put our phones on silent. Uh, Take the pots off the stove and uh, make sure that we're focusing in. I I spoke to some of you this last week and you have kids that are running around and screaming. They don't know what's going on. I know it's not the easiest right now to focus in, uh, but do your best. Do your best. I know the Lord will bless you and we'll pray that uh, the Lord limits distractions during this time. So verse 16 of chapter 16 of Acts. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. When it says we in that first part of the verse, it's talking about Paul and Silas, and it's talking about Luke, the writer of Acts, along with some of the other disciples right now who are in Philippi. And this is a situation that they're going to run into with this this lady who uh, has a spirit of, of divination or she has a she's possessed by a demon and this kind of gives us uh, a, a look-see into what this what this whole passage is about an introduction if you will verse 17 the same followed Paul and us and cried saying these men are the servants of the most high God which show unto us the way of salvation it's truly sad that the Christians are going through all of these places throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth, and the Jews, the most religious people, refuse to see what this demon-possessed lady saw. It's, it's incredible, and she's the one who is giving testimony that they are men of the Most High God uh, and, show, and show unto us the way of salvation. She did this for many days, verse 18 said, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, so they were using this lady's uh, demon possession to make money, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrate saying, these men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes uh, so, and, and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. We're going to go ahead and stop there. That gives us a good introduction into what's happening in the story. Would you pray with me right now that this will all end soon, that we'll be able to meet together as soon as possible, but especially that the Holy Spirit would speak to us this morning. Father, we need you and we come to you because we know that you are the only person who hears prayer. You hear prayer because you are alive and well today. We thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for us, but three days later he rose again. What a powerful gospel. What a powerful responsibility we have to show that gospel to others. But we thank you for everything that you have done for us and uh, we still have so much to be thankful for during this time. Help us as a church. Help those who are watching from all over the globe right now to uh, come together during this time and focus in on your word. 
Please fill me with your spirit, empty me of myself, cleanse me of sin, and I ask this in your name. Amen. So I have much to thank the Lord for, uh, as I just mentioned in my prayer. But one thing that I find myself thanking the Lord for very often is I'm very glad that I'm a guy. I thank the Lord often that, I, that he made me a male. Now, I'm glad that uh, God made ladies, but I'm even more glad that he made me a male. Now, when you are a male, there are certain default settings that come with the gender. And what I mean by that is there are certain things about men that are just understood. We don't ask for directions. That is understood about men. Now, I didn't say we don't need directions. I said we don't ask for directions. We don't use instructions when we are building things. What are all those extra pieces? Who knows? Are they needed? We'll never know, but the, the crib is holding up just fine. I'm sure the baby will be okay. We hate going to the hospital. That is a default setting of men. We just, if, if we do not have to go to the hospital, we're not going to go to the hospital. We don't like closing cabinets. Uh, we don't like closing drawers. Uh, that is something that we just do not like to do. And I think most of all, we don't like being told, you can't do that. We don't like being told as men that our hands are tied about whatever situation it may be. For instance, when a man sees a no trespassing sign, we think, why not? What are you hiding? What are you hiding from us? When a man sees a speed limit sign, we think, oh yeah, okay, all right. Men usually don't take, you can't do that as a warning. Most of the time we take it as a dare. For, <laughs> you know, you can't do 50 push-ups anymore, dad. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. That's a dare to us. You can't carry all those grocery bags in one trip. Every man hates hearing that. We are going to carry all of those grocery bags in one trip. You can't fix the plumbing by yourself. Well, we're going to try. You can't do electrical work without turning off the breaker. We take that as a, as a dare. And this is why when men truly face a situation that we can't do something, it's difficult for us. Now, I'm sure it's difficult for ladies as well, but it's definitely difficult for men. Why am I saying all this? Because lately... We're being told a lot of things that we can't do. You can't meet more than 50 people at a time, and then the next morning you can't meet more than 10 people at a time, and then the next hour, no, you can't leave your house at all. You can't touch your face. You can't do that. You can't this. You can't that. Can't, 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 can't. And honestly, it got to the point where I asked myself, well, what can I do? What can I do right now? And when I asked myself that question, I was reminded of this story in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are out serving the Lord, and suddenly they find themselves in more ways than one, physically and religiously bound. You can't preach anymore, Paul and Silas. You can't be free anymore, Paul and Silas. Think of all the things that were taken away from these men. Their reputation was taken away from them. The multitude, they, they were falsely accused in front of multitudes of people. Their health was taken from them. Many stripes were laid upon them. There was a Jewish rule that you could only do 39. Well, this is a Roman prison here. The Romans aren't going to follow Jewish law in this. And even in 2 Corinthians 11.23, Paul makes mention of having stripes above measure. Paul and Silas were beaten to, uh, to, to bleed and to profusely bleed during this time. Their health was taken away. Their freedom was taken away. 
They were cast into prison. Not only were they cast into prison, their interaction was, with others was taken away. They were cast into the inner prison. Their comfort was taken away. Their feet were made fast in the stocks. And these stocks weren't uh, something that just tethered them to the cell. These stocks were usually um, boards that had, um, that had some type of, of cuffs or, or, or chains on the ends of them. And depending on the height of the person, depending on the, the severity of the crime, this board would get longer and longer and longer. So as you can imagine, their, their legs are, are spread apart to the point where they can't sit up comfortably. They really would have to lie down. They, you can't stand up. And so they're lying down probably on a dirty, cold uh, stone floor with open wounds all over their back. Their comfort has been taken away. So when I studied this account, I couldn't help but thinking, what we're going through right now could be a lot worse. What we're going through right now really is nothing. And I felt shame for taking for granted the freedom that we have in this country to meet, to fellowship here as a church every single week. I think many of us took that for granted. As these men faced torture and persecution of the greatest kind, they made a choice. And it's a choice that we need to make. We will either focus on all the things that we are being told we can't do, or we are going to focus on the things that we can do. This is one of the most beautiful stories in all of Scripture of Christian victory, Christian deliverance, and Christian testimony. Because these men made a choice. While these men had so much taken away from them, they focused on the things that nobody could take away. On Wednesday, this past Wednesday, I preached about how we must not allow what is happening right now to stop us from serving God. I guess this morning you could say, I'm preaching more on what our attitude should be while we are serving God during this time. It's great to make the decision to say, this isn't going to stop us. We're going to keep on going forward. We're going to keep on doing all that we can, even though it's a little cold outside as far as that uh, Proverbs chapter 20, 20, verse 4 was talking about. That's a great decision to make. But while we are serving God, we need to have the right attitude. And I don't think we're going to have the right attitude. I don't think we're going to have the right spirit. I know I didn't have the right spirit when I was focusing on all the different things that we can't, 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 can't. So I made the decision, and I wanted to preach this message because I am not going to spend this entire time, no matter how long it takes, I'm not going to spend this entire time grumbling about the things that I can't do while serving the Lord. People are telling us we can't meet, we can't leave the home, we can't this, we can't that. So I started writing down the things that we could do. There's many things that we can't do right now, but we can pray. Look in verse 25, and um, it says, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. Now hold up here. These are human beings just like you and I. Paul and Silas are prone to the same pain and frustrations and questions and fears and angers as we are. We can't read this story and assume that this was easy for these men to just stop and pray right now. Don't picture them in the cell 
sitting up all bubbly and carefree. Let's, let's pray, Brother Paul. Yeah, let's pray, Brother Silas. Let's do that. Now, on the other hand, I don't think they were grumbling and complaining to one another. Well, I guess we should pray. There's nothing else we could do, and we are still Christians, so we should probably pray. No, I think it was more, maybe Paul said to Silas, you know, Silas, I know there's a lot of things that we can't do right now, but I was just thinking, even though we're in the depths of the prison, we still can pray. I think their prayer was prayer in its finest form. I think it was open. I think it was honest. I believe it was fervent. I believe it was dependent only upon God. I can imagine them praying, Father, we don't understand everything that's happening to us right now. We're in a lot of pain. We're in a lot of physical discomfort. There are a lot of unknowns in our life right now. But we thank you that you also went through pain and discomfort for us so you know exactly how we're feeling. And I think they just truly asked the Lord to help them and deliver them. I don't care what the government or the devil or the world or a virus may take away from us. Nobody can take away our access to God in prayer. The only one who can stop you from praying during this time is you. Verse 25 also says they they prayed and they sang praises to God. That's another thing that we can do. Even though there's a lot going on right now, has God stopped being good? Is he suddenly unworthy of praise? Is our praise something that God has to earn on a constant basis by giving and blessing and giving and blessing? Is our song dependent upon circumstances? And if it is, we're going to spend a lot of time under the circumstances. Open your eyes, ladies and gentlemen, to all of the things that God has done for you and me. We're alive today. We're, many are watching from countries of freedom. If you're watching right now from a country that doesn't enjoy much freedom, look at how God has still allowed you to have access to God's word. We're not starving. We have clothes on our back. We have friends and family. We have a church home. And I encourage you, if you don't have a church home, you need to find one. When all of this is over, live stream can never take the place of having a spot to go to, having a church home to be a part of Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And I encourage you to find one in your area. We have the privilege of serving God. He's given us his word. He sent his own son to die for you and for me. So yes, things may get difficult. Stock markets are going to crash. Banks are going to fail. Bodies may become sick. Friends may betray you. Enemies may beset you. Family may hurt you. Governments may oppress you. But God is still good. And even if we took all of those other things off of the table, if the only thing that God did for you and I was send his son to die on the cross for you and me, that would have been enough to sing his praises for all of eternity. Some may tell you you can't work. Some may tell you you can't stop working. That's another frustration right now. Some people are frustrated with the fact that they can't work. Other people are frustrated with the fact that they can't stop working and they want to stop working. People are telling us we can't meet. People are telling us we can't leave our homes. But we can always praise the Lord. The only one who can stop you from singing is you. Again, don't make the mistake of thinking this was easy for these men. Honestly, I could completely understand it if singing was the last thing that they wanted to do right now. But still they sang praises to God. I'm no way an example. But I remember 
in when I had just gotten out of college and I was struggling with what the Lord wanted me to do with my life. I was struggling with my job and, and it was uh, definitely a low part of my life. And I remember driving and what I would do is I would sing. Now, I'm not a very good singer, but I would sing and it did help. Now, I wasn't singing many upbeat songs. I wasn't singing the Hallelujah Chorus. I wasn't singing I'm on the winning side. I wasn't singing praise to the Lord, the Almighty. I wasn't singing any of that. I was singing this little light of mine. I was singing God is so good. I was singing Lord I need you. And many times it was through tears and it was through pain. But I'm telling you no matter what is going on you can still pray and you can still sing. Number three, we can be a good influence to others. These men didn't just pray and sing praises for themselves. They didn't do these things silently. Through the pain, with every sharp gasp of breath that they could take, they, they prayed and they sang unto the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 25, and the prisoners heard them. They're in the inner prison. This is something that took some effort. This is something that I believe they knew that they were doing. And here's, here's my point. This world is filled with enough grief right now. It is filled with enough sorrow. It's filled with enough despair. It's filled with enough fear and hate and anger and worry right now. Christian, when the world looks at you and when the world looks at me, they should hear and they should see something different. We should be a good influence to people. They shouldn't have to pry it out of us. We shouldn't be ashamed of it. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Why do we do that? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Trust me, church. Our families, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, you name them. They're watching. And they're watching very intently right now. Let them see that you're still in church. Let them see that you have peace. Let them hear the song in your heart. Let them hear the hope in your soul. Prayer and singing will always bring comfort and help and peace to the one who is praying and singing. But it can also bring great comfort and it can also be a great influence to those around us. I was listening to my brother preach this past week and we were talking in, uh, over the phone. Think about this. We have been praying for a long time in this country for revival. We have been praying for a long time that God would do something to get the church's attention, to get the country's attention. Nobody would have said, Lord, send a virus. Nobody would have said, Lord, let, let something happen in, in Wuhan, in a market in Wuhan that completely brings everything to a halt, that brings the stock market crashing down, that sends people home, that, that has people going without a paycheck. Nobody would be saying any of that. But we've mentioned this every single time that we've been on here on live stream. God has certainly got our attention. We are praying for revival and when, when the waves of life are crashing around people, 
what they do is they grab on to whatever they believe is going to help them stay afloat. That's what people do. That's all that people care about. Everything is crumbling down. I need to grab onto what I believe is strong. And people are realizing the government, medicine, and, and money are not as strong as we thought they were. Lead them to the rock of ages. And you are going to do that through prayer. You are going to do that through singing. And you're going to do that in a way where others can see it. We can still have a great influence during this time. In fact, I believe if this wasn't happening right now, we would still be going in the same direction that we were when we were praying, Lord, let something happen. He's brought something in our way. It would be a shame on us to not use it for his glory. Number four, we can care for others. Verse 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. You know, it would have been very easy for Paul and Silas to see that keeper about to take his own life and think, go ahead, go ahead, it serves him right. The keeper probably played a major role in what had happened to Paul and Silas. I mean, the number one objective, I've never been in prison before, but I'm just guessing, if you are going to stage a prison break or if you want to, if you want to have freedom, the number one objective is take out the guard. That's what you need to do. But here's what I'm saying. When many others would have only thought about themselves, Paul and Silas care for that man. Paul and Silas see him as a human being, see him as a life that, that doesn't need to be taken. During times like these, Christian, it's easy for our eyes to all turn inward. I think that's a natural reaction. We want to protect ourselves. We want to look out for number one. We want to protect our family. I mean, everyone's out to get us right now is, is the default thinking that we have. We've got to change that. We, we've all heard about that man in Tennessee when all of this started. And he, he goes up, he even drives up to Kentucky and buys up 17,000 containers of hand sanitizer and starts selling them for $80 a piece. That's somebody who's only caring about themselves. Now, I know that he donated it the other day, but that was only after he was being investigated. Listen, care for your health, certainly. And care for your family, but keep your eyes open for how you can care for others during this time because that is not going to be the natural reaction. Look for how you can help others. Send a text to somebody. Tell them that you're praying for them. Tell them that you're thinking about them. Buy somebody dinner. Uh, the, the other day we were, uh, in, we were in Walmart before all of this shut down and we were getting Subway and uh, one of the ladies walked up and um, I just carried on a conversation with her and she said, I've been working for uh, a super long shift now and I haven't been able to have a break and I know I need to eat something and I, I paid for her meal and I gave her an invite to the church. Look for ways that you could do that. Write a letter to somebody. I know many of you say, well, I'm, I'm homebound and there's really not much I can do. I, I'm not tech savvy. I'm not on Facebook where I can be sending out all these invitations and sharing everything. That's fine. Send a letter to somebody. Send a text to somebody. Give a call to somebody. 
Help your neighbor when they're outside and they're, they're stuck at home and doing a lot of, of, of work right now. The only one that can stop you from caring for others is you. The only one who can stop you from praying is you. The only one who can stop you from praying is you. The only one who can stop you from praising is you. How about verse 29? Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. I love that verse. It doesn't say, hey, pray this many prayers. It doesn't say, well, you need to undo all of your bad by doing a bunch of good. You need to go to church. You need to join this program. You need to start giving to the poor. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. And, and because it's that simple, so many people doubt it and they think it can't be that simple. How can eternity, how can eternal life come to be by something that simple? Jesus made it that way. That was always his plan. If you're watching right now and you do not know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die, it's not because Jesus didn't make it easy. It's not because Jesus didn't make it obvious. The Bible says none of these things were done in a corner. But there's something very different between knowing who Jesus is and believing in who he is. Believe on the name uh, or on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Not thou might be saved. Not if the Lord is in a good mood. Not if you catch him at the right time. Thou shalt be saved because everything's already been done. The bill has been paid. All you have to do is accept the gift. And I encourage you to do that this morning. If you have any questions about that, please let us know. And we'll be happy to show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven when they die. Verse 32, And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and was baptized, he and all his, straightway. Notice that baptism had nothing to do with being saved. Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's not believe and be baptized, it's believe. Baptism is a symbol of salvation, just like this ring is a symbol of me being married. Putting this ring on a single person's finger does not make them married. Taking this ring off of my finger just because, because I am married doesn't make me unmarried. It's a symbol. I am showing everybody that I am happy, I am joyous, I am proud of the fact that I am married to my wife. Baptism is the same thing. You are showing people I am happy, I am joyous, and I am not ashamed that Jesus Christ is my Savior. Baptism is the first step of obedience. It has nothing to do with taking you to heaven. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. But he was baptized. Then verse 34, and when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. Lastly here, we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've mentioned how we can influence others. We've mentioned how we can care for others. But those are very different from sharing the gospel with others. Being a good influence and caring for others has never saved a soul. We do those things. We are a good influence. We, we protect our testimony and we do let our light shine before men and we do care for others for the purpose 
and trusting that God is going to give us an opportunity to share the gospel. And when that opportunity comes, we have to speak. We have to share the gospel through our words. And we also do those things. We care for others. We influence others. We, we pray and we sing praises even during hard times because when we do share the gospel, people should see that our words match our life. That it's not just all talk, that we actually believe it, and that it comes through in our actions. Why should anybody listen to us share the gospel if we have never influenced them before for right? Or if we have never shown any care to them before? Why should they listen to us? If your coworker has only seen you lose your testimony and lose your patience and lose your temper, and then suddenly during this time we try to, to tell them that we're, we're Christians and we're, and we're different. Well, we, sh we can't just tell people we're different. We have to show them that we're different. And that all leads us to the opportunity to share the gospel where they can know what you are telling me is, is true. I can tell that it is true because you believe it and you show it in your actions. I don't know if the keeper of the prison heard Paul and Silas singing. The Bible says that he was asleep and the earthquake actually woke him up. But I do know this. I do know that the jailer saw the care that Paul and Silas had for him by sparing his life. And I can't help but believe that Paul and Silas had had some influence on him because immediately when that jailer goes up to him, he knows exactly what to ask. He says, what must I do to be saved? What's my point? The point is, if Paul and Silas hadn't prayed, if they hadn't sang praises, if they hadn't done it so that others could hear, would that keeper have been so open to the gospel? We know if they hadn't shown care to them, there's no way they would have had the opportunity to share the gospel. He would have taken his own life. The only one who can stop us from sharing the gospel right now is us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3, if our gospel be hid, that's our choice. If our gospel, the gospel has com been committed to my trust. The talents have been given to the servants and it's up to us what we are going to do with it. Nobody can tell me. There's, you can tell me that I can't go, go away from home. You can tell me that I can't touch my face. You can tell me that I can't meet more than 10 at a time. You can tell me all of those things, but nobody can tell me that I cannot share the gospel. In fact, I believe that the Lord has brought this situation to give us an incredible opportunity to share the gospel. I am not asking, and again, we mentioned this before, haven't, haven't we been praying that the Lord would give us an opportunity to go forward with the gospel as a church? And not just our church, I know that many Christians have been praying that. I am not asking right now, what if this is God's way? Of giving? No, no, I, I believe it. I am saying it. I am telling us this is God's way of giving us an opportunity to share God's will. I am here, or to share God's gospel. I am hearing story after story after story. I had a conversation with a coworker that never would have listened to me before. My neighbor has come up to me and they never, they never listened to anything before. My family is asking me questions that they've never asked me before. And I don't wanna waste this opportunity just because there are some things that we can't do right now. Yes, there are, but we can pray. We can sing praises to God still. We can, we can do it so that others can see us and hear us. We can care for others and not just ourselves. We can share the gospel. How about this? We can rejoice in our salvation 
The Bible says rejoice in the Lord always. That's in good times and in bad. And again, I say rejoice. We can meditate on God's word. And in fact, we have a lot more time to do that lately. I hope that you are digging deeper into God's word than you ever have before. We can cherish the extra time that we have with our family. Gentlemen, some of you have been sent home from work, and by the time you came home from work before, you were so tired you had no time. You constantly had deadlines that you had to meet. We have time now. We can cherish that extra time with our families, with our wives, with our children. How about this? We can prepare ourselves to come back to church. I hope right now we are not getting out of the habit and getting out of the desire of coming to church. I hope the desire is growing more and more within us. I can't wait until I get back to church. I can't wait to tell more people about church. As soon as that, this, this ban is lifted, I am going to be in church. I know exactly where I'm going to be. I know exactly where I'm going to sit. I hope we sing our favorite, my favorite hymn. I hope pastor preaches a good message. So do I. And I hope that we can all come back and have, have promotions and give gifts and all those things that we planned and we will. But right now, we can do that. We can prepare for that to happen. But most importantly, because we could go on and on and on and on and on, but I'll leave with this. We can trust. We can trust God. I remember hearing about Hudson Taylor, and Hudson Taylor, when he was becoming sick, and he was working in the China Inland Mission, and obstacles were coming left and right. There was a point where he said, there's a lot of things I can't do right now. His health was down. He said, I can't get up and and travel. I can't see the people that I want to see. I can't preach to the people the things that I want to preach to them. I can't even see my wife. I can't see my children, but I can trust. We can always trust in God. Nobody can ever tell us that we can't do those things. If there's ever a time when we aren't doing those things, that's our choice. Nobody can ever tell us that we can't. So I encourage you, don't focus on all the things right now that we can't do, that's just frustrating. Remember, there are so many things that we can do. And in fact, we have more opportunity to do them now than we ever really have before. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.